we'd certainly want to know kind of where you'd like to be and, and where you're currently at because people don't really like to change much and make cuts. So we don't want them to and we want them to spend as much as they can because that is what helps create memories. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Well, hello and welcome in to All Things Retirement. I am Ben George, along with Anthony Alpha, certified financial planner and founder at Cardinal Wealth Group there in Cherry Hill. I've got a good show for you today. We're talking about retirement preparedness and people ask all the time, well, how do I know exactly where I stand? Am I in good shape? Obviously, you want to spend that time talking with an advisor, but our checklist today is a great place to begin. 10 questions. If you don't have these answered, we're going to do our best to kind of help you uh, do that today. But if you don't have a personal plan for these things, you want to do that, of course. Anthony, one of my new goals, welcome in, by the way, one of my goals for this year has been to try to read a little bit more, actually like carve out a half hour a day to just put all the distractions away and just read, which has actually gone pretty well. I've slacked a little bit, but I'm kind of curious what uh, what you've been reading recently. Yeah, actually, similar goal to dedicate myself to try to read about 12 books this year, one a month. That's my goal. So right now, I actually read in something called The Psychology of Money uh, by Morgan Hossel. Okay. And, um, you know, I, it's not always financial books that I'm reading. It's, you know, history and things of that nature. So I think just any reading is good to keep the mind active. But this book, uh, I haven't finished yet, but it really talks about how we are grown and think of math uh, in, say, in terms of math formulas and datas. And, you know, in the at the end of the day, though, people don't really make financial decisions based off of spreadsheets. We make decisions, you know, at the dinner table uh, in meetings uh, based off of our personal history from an emotional standpoint or ego pride or just from mark tricky marketing. Uh, incentives and stuff like that being thrown at us that that's really what drives our decisions at the end of the day. Uh, you know, I'm not at the end of the conclusions on you know what can be done, but it just really kind of dives deep into um, how we're shaped and our view on money. It really starts at a very young age when we're really in an age of innocence and our brains are like sponges taking it all in and it gets shaped re really early and it's hard to break out of some of those things. And yeah, uh, pretty pretty easy read overall. Not a uh, you know uh, a very long book, so it's uh, kind of breezing through it. Not too bad though. I'm sure you've thought a lot about it. You know, doing what you do already, but having two young children is is it changed your approach at all? To to I know they're probably still a little too young. Possibly maybe Rosie's old enough to understand a little bit more, but. Has it changed your approach maybe as they get older to money? It's actually something that I thought about a long time, uh, just being in this industry now for almost um, 17, 18 years at this point. Um, yeah, and talking with some of my peers who have children that are uh, older than mine and listening to them and some of the um, ways that they go about trying to you know, teach their kids about money at a young age. And so, you know, when it, when it comes to, say, things like allowance, and you know teaching them that you know you can use this money to buy something now uh, that you might have fun with or you can you know invest this money to have it grow or do a bit of both and look at the benefits of seeing it grow to be able to use it for something else in the future or also from the standpoint from like a, a charitable intent doing something good with this money instead of just 
kind of consuming it and, and, you know, being able to, you know, pay it for, for somebody else. So I, I've seen a lot of different examples. I think Rosie at three is still a little bit young and just kind of expects things at this <laughs> point. Um, but then, you know, I think there's a, some valuable teaching points to, you know, waiting for things and not just, you know, expecting these things, but yeah, I, I plan to implement some of these things uh, along the way as, as they present themselves going forward for sure. Awesome. Well, very cool. What was the name of it again? Oh, it was called uh, The Psychology of Money. All right, cool. I'll check that one out. Sounds good. All right, today uh, we want to talk a little bit about this 10-point checklist for retirement preparedness. If you have questions, again, cardinalwg.com is the website. And uh, while you're there, make sure you start your Cardinal Success Journey. Just click that free assessment top right corner as well. Um, I'm going to go through these questions, Anthony, and kind of help me understand I guess, A, like why these are important, but, you know, maybe what you should be thinking about it and how you should maybe start thinking about your plan for each, for each one of these items we talk about today. And uh, I guess beginning with income planning is kind of a great place to start. So important in retirement. So this first question right out of the gates, you know, do you know exactly how much income you're going to need every month? We start here with a lot of our uh, with new clients and trying to get a sense for that as we're you know, trying to help them with their retirement readiness. And I think it's one of those things that yeah, a lot of people don't like to spend the time doing, but obviously it's it's very important because that leads to help us be able to guide them on the different financial decisions that they have. The good news is you don't necessarily have to go through this detailed spreadsheet. Um, I think, you know, being able to help and certainly going that route is is one way to go. And there's different tools like Mint.com and Tiller that can provide some additional tools to make that a little bit easier for categorizing and making it easy to combine multiple different accounts into one, uh, we'll call it spreadsheet to look at everything. But on the other side, you know, we can kind of get people down to a basic budget probably within like two to three minutes by, you know, getting a sense of, hey, what are you currently making income wise, we can look at your pay stub and or a tax return. And then, you know, minus out your taxes, and we can kind of figure that out in a pretty quick manner, or just obviously look at your tax return. Let's minus, you know, your systematic savings into your 401ks, IRAs and checking savings account that you're kind of socking away down the road. And then minusing out any one time major expenses, and pretty much what's left over is what you spent. And that's at least a good starting point. And, you know, obviously thinking about it for people who are currently working, we want to get a sense, you know, are there going to be other things that are going to fall off in the future, like a mortgage or debts or kid kid carry costs like college or wedding or, or, you know, home upgrades and things of that nature. But we can get down to that kind of monthly run rate pretty easily within two to three minutes without with them just knowing some of the basic uh, information that we would need to get it down. But it, it's super important because, you know, that we, we need to get a sense of what that lifestyle looks like or wants to be. So we can kind of see where you're headed. Um, conversely, or lastly speaking, you know, we can certainly work backwards, reverse engineer it and say, okay, well, let's look at everything that you have and work backwards and tell you, you know, this is kind of where you're headed. But it, you know, we certainly want to know kind of where you'd like to be and, and where you're currently at, because people don't really like to change much and make cuts. So we don't want them to, and we want them to spend as much as they can because that is what helps create memories. Yeah, that, absolutely. And, you know, as you kind of figure out, okay, I know what income I need, uh, that, you know, logically takes us to the second question is, okay, 
you know what you need. Now, do you know which account you should start withdrawing from first? Right. And it's just, I mean, we could spend an entire episode on this, on where to withdraw from. But, you know, looking at their income sources is kind of where we want to look at, um, whether they have pension options, so, you know, different social security timing strategies, you know, for uh, two married folks, there's, you know, over 500 different combinations for social security timing strategies. And then, you know, when to pull money from your IRA 401k pre-tax bucket versus your taxable, you know, non-retirement accounts or your Roth accounts. And you really got to break it down from a tax standpoint, right? And there's going to be certain income assets that you might want to turn on right away. And some of those that you might want to delay out. And that's really going to help shape the tax situation. And that's generally the angle that we're going to come from it. Certainly the client has their own point of view as to maybe when they want to start social security and whether or not they want to take out money from their IRAs before, you know, required minimum distributions are due, but you really, you know, want to understand, Hey, you know, we need to make sure that we're not, you know, jumping up into higher tax brackets if we can avoid it. And conversely, we also want to make sure that we're utilizing some of these lower tax brackets, the 10 and 12% brackets, uh, whenever we can on, you know, IRA monies and take advantage of, of, you know, maybe spending that money in that 10 and 12 or converting it into 10 or 12 and turning on other withdrawal income sources uh, to offset that. So it's really comes down to a tax bracket type of strategy that we would be looking at. And there's a lot of different scenarios and ways to go about it. Obviously, the more income sources, the more options you have uh, and the less then maybe it is a little bit more straightforward. But it's 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 really important because there's thousands of dollars a year, if not more, that could be at stake for the person. And over a lifetime, that could easily be hundreds of thousands of dollars for for other folks uh, by doing it in a, um, a non-optimal way. You know, one of the main sources of income for a lot of people uh, is going to be social security, which is our third question here is, you know, do you know the ideal time to take it? And I'd say, you know, see question number two uh, at yeah. the end of the day. And and certainly there's the, I think the uh, uh, pretty common out there for uh, the point of view for a lot of people out there to the emotional feelings around social security and saying, you know, I'm just going to start it now. I paid into it and I don't know when my time is up on this earth. Uh, so I'm going to start as soon as possible. But from a financial planning standpoint, uh, math and tax standpoint, that doesn't always make the most sense. And that's why you really don't want to look at Social Security timing in a vacuum and really look at it when uh, from the standpoint of looking at all the other income sources and certainly health and life expectancy does play an important role. So for somebody with major health issues, where life expectancy is much lower than you know, that might be a little bit more obvious in starting that earlier. Um, mm -hmm. But it also may uh, depend, right, if you have a spouse there who has uh, no real working uh, social security, and it might make sense to still try to delay that for their benefit as well, uh, if nothing else. So again, I, I think I'd take it back to question number two and kind of put it in there with all the other income sources and kind of see what makes the most sense there. All right, going through our 10-point checklist for retirement preparedness. Number four, longevity. Have you addressed that risk? Because if you haven't, obviously the big worry is, will you outlive your money? 
Yeah, and certainly anybody who's coming to our office for a you know first meeting, getting together, and they're getting ready for retirement, it's generally one of the questions on their minds. And if they're not in the camp of having a retirement plan like their grandparents or, or parents where they had a pension and Social Security taking care of basically everything that they needed, then they're in the group with the majority of our clients where they pretty much have a you know Social Security and you know pretty uh, the rest coming from you know 401k IRAs and savings plans, and so you know longevity risk is a real concern to them. Uh, not having those uh, pensions that are taking up that, and you know we really got to go through that retirement income planning exercise to kind of see uh, those different uh, income sources that you have, and let let's see the chips, you know, fall as they may with all the different, like almost running this scenario, like we never met before to kind of see where you're headed. Is it in the right direction? And how can we make that better to make sure that we're addressing one of the you know, most major risks in retirement? And that's, you know, outliving your money. So yeah, that's one of the big ones out there that you definitely want to spend some time on. And um, I think that's probably the, the top concern with most people out there today. All right. I got a couple here that that are probably hitting a little bit closer to home. And, and while we're asking these questions in 2023, if you are approaching retirement, the first one deals with market volatility, which we've been you know facing for a while now is, you know, are you prepared to handle that? Are you prepared to watch the market go up and down like it's been doing? And I'd say this is probably the, the next question after the longevity question that we're generally getting a lot. And it's a big one, right? I mean, certainly uh, 2022 was a, a tough ride for, for most folks. Uh, what we're here really to talk about is understand, you know, what's your plan with your money, you know, in order to pay for your retirement and how much risk are you comfortable taking? Um, our general approach with most of our clients is that we, we kind of create uh, a two bucket approach, if you will, kind of our safety bucket, uh, money that's really ready to go and be paid for to help fund your retirement today. That's not going to be affected by the, the stock market. Um, it's going to be in stuff that's you know not correlated or, or not going to be affected if the market drops. The other side of it is we still need to take on, generally speaking, need to take on some volatility and have a growth bucket that's going to address for the expenses that you're going to have in the long run, you know, longer than six 10, 15, 20 years into retirement. We need that money to grow as things get more expensive. And that money can accept some volatility there uh, in the short term. And volatility does help us get to new highs in the future. So, you know, volatility is a, an emotional thing that we deal with, but it's also a helpful thing from the financial markets being able to reset and get to new highs. And we really just need to understand in easy to understand terms with our with our clients you know what is comfortable for them and make it easy for them to understand and then we we kind of have our own process where we work backwards to under understand okay this is about how much we would recommend in this safety bucket so that you know we have the five six seven years of your expenses already in this bucket it gives us five to seven years worth of time to let the market recover because we, we have this other bucket here that's ready to go for the money that you need today. And I think that, you know, a lot of folks that we see just kind of have all their money in their 401ks or IRAs just kind of allocated, you know, based off of whatever they use to get it allocated. And then 
there's not a real plan there. And I think that's where a lot of folks run into some trouble. Yeah, I think we'll point out, and anybody that maybe can't answer these questions will realize that I need to do a little more planning than I have already. And, you know, it takes us to our next one. And because we took a year off from the podcast, I don't know how much we talked about inflation, Anthony, but if you are someone that was retiring in 2022, you've been hit pretty hard with it. If you didn't have a plan to combat that, then you probably had to kind of go back to the drawing board. So that's the next question. Are you able to combat inflation with the plan you have in place? We probably didn't talk much about it because we really haven't had that much real inflation over the last decade. And so, yes, uh, I think it's been discussed, at least in general terms. And whenever we're doing a financial plan, we definitely talk about it. But it hasn't felt that real until really in the last year where you know, gas prices had jumped 50%. Uh, food prices are up astronomical. It feels like I'm spending double at the grocery store these uh, e- each week, these days. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the conservative investor, when they come in, you know, comes to mind to me that this is something that's going to be something that they're really going to have to think a little bit harder about uh, than they had been in the previous decade. I mean, realizing that at, you know, three, four, 5%, uh, inflation rate uh, year over year. I mean, you're talking about expenses doubling, goods and services doubling in you know 15, 20 year, 25 year periods of time. And obviously, in this past year, we've dealt with you know much higher expenses with different areas of goods and services that have jumped way more than five, six, and seven percent. So you definitely want to think through in that folks that are really invested conservatively in CDs, money markets, and really don't have much uh, exposure on the stock side, you know, how are we going to deal with this? Because it's really going to kind of kill you silently over time as your purchasing power is really going to steeply decline. And 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 that's where we kind of how we go back to that safety bucket and our growth bucket. And, you know, we don't want to just tell everybody to put it into the stock market if they're not comfortable with that. And that doesn't typically always make sense anyhow we, we are typically going about a more blended approach anyhow but we just need to make sure that you know we have the right safety and then we have enough on the back end that's growing for those uh, expenses as they get higher and higher in uh you know decades to come all right running through our 10 point checklist for retirement preparedness let's talk now a little bit about taxes because where we stand it seems like in a few years taxes will begin to creep back up. And, and whether or not they do, you still want to have a plan for it. But I think most experts will tell you they believe taxes will go up. So are you prepared for that possibility? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And I would tell you that this is just another layer of complexity being added onto the tax planning that we're already doing with our, with our folks here. And so, you know, just as you mentioned, I think our national debt somewhere around $31 trillion and, and counting as we speak. And, you know, a real concern for a lot of folks out there is, you know, how are we going to deal with that national debt? You know, obviously, raising taxes is one of the main ways for us to pay down that debt. Uh, Certainly, you know, cutting and reducing benefits could also play a role in it as well. But I think if you're somebody that has, you know, 80% of your money in pre-tax accounts, like 401ks and IRAs, you know, there's some real planning that you really need to think of beyond, you know, running out your tax plan with, you know, tax laws not changing and understanding, well, what if they double or increase by 20 or 25, 30% um, with the next administration or the one after that, if they decide to change it on you, 
and understanding that that can really erode your retirement income if you're paying 20, 25% more uh, in taxes than what we originally projected. And that's why a lot of times we really want to think about, you know, doing Roth conversions or IRA, IRA withdrawals, um, you know, while we're maybe delaying some other sources to get that money out at a lower tax bracket, like the 10 and 12% uh, when we can and utilize it so that we can lower that uh, risk of the uh, tax rates getting higher in the future from a policy change standpoint. Yeah, you got to be you got to be prepared for that, and and you also have to be prepared for healthcare because you know inflation's been up and a lot of things have been on the rise. But I don't know that anything's outpaced healthcare. Maybe maybe college tuition, possibly, but healthcare costs have been up and up and up. So you know another thing you have to have a plan for is how you're going to address that. Right, and you know we have clients that are trying to retire before. 65 and we have others that are retiring at 65 or later so there's actually you know two different types of planning approaches that we kind of need to take uh if you're in that 65 camp or or higher obviously working with a uh from well first off from a financial planning standpoint we want to incorporate that and a lot of times what we'll actually do is break out certain expenses within your retirement plan from a cost standpoint things like uh, health insurance, for example, and instead of putting a 3% inflation rate on that, we might put four, four and a half on there just to make sure that we're uh, looking at that in its more current lens uh, from an inflation standpoint. Um, so we're, we're charting that out from an expense standpoint. Then from there, you know, I think it's important that you're working with a like a Medicare specialist to really go through the different plans that make sense for your family's needs and the type of uh, medical professionals that you want to see and where you want to see them to make sure that they're in network. And are you, you know, are you snowboarding it down to Florida? So you need a plan that can incorporate uh, health care down there and over here or in the Northeast for where we're at. Uh, so that I think it's a really important to do that. Our clients, you know, have access to a Medicare specialist that we recommend, but certainly there's others out there that you're going to want to speak to because people go to the doctors more as they get older. So it's, it becomes a, a cost and it only increases as we typically get older. The other side are those folks that are trying to retire before 65. And, you know, whether they have a medical plan, a retirement medical plan being offered by their employer that gets them out to 65, or if they don't, then they're going to have to take a look at the Affordable Care Act plans. Or if you're in New Jersey, like we are, uh, New Jersey get covered and or COBRA, possibly if you're within, you know, a year or two of 65, you can look at COBRA. But looking at those different avenues as to what's available to you from a planned benefit standpoint, but also from a price standpoint. And understanding that there's, for some, a, a planning opportunity under the ACA of Affordable Care Act, the you know Obamacare or national insurance plans, where you can get a premium subsidy if we can kind of maintain your taxable income at certain thresholds. So by having reportable income, uh, again, it depends on you know if you're a family of one, two, three, or four whatever, uh, you have a certain threshold that where you can get actually a subsidy to reduce your premiums if you can keep your uh, taxable income down. So with some of our clients, we actually will utilize Roth IRA distributions earlier on in their retirement while we might delay some other items, uh, especially when they're younger, to, to be able to keep their taxable income lower so that they can actually get some subsidy from the government to pay their premiums and and to reduce and you could 
you could save three to you know ten thousand dollars a year on your uh, health insurance premiums uh, in that example if done properly. And again, you you have to be in the right um, income bracket to be able to do it. But we mm. definitely have some clients that we're we're doing that for. All right, a couple more here on the list. Legacy planning next. Uh, do you have this nailed down? Is how important is this, Anthony, to have done before retirement? Yeah, this one I'm I'm kind of okay if we haven't really figured it out yet. There, you know, I there's definitely folks out there that know that they want to have a certain amount or you know uh, give money to certain charities or or things of that nature um, ahead of time. But I, I or, or maybe if you're caring for a special needs child and, and things of that nature. Uh, but I think it's it's okay in general if you're not exactly sure um, what that is, because I think a lot of folks uh, haven't thought that in depth about it yet. And they really just want to know, am I going to be okay from my own retirement picture standpoint? Um, you know, and then once they kind of get into it, they might want to spend, then they start to want to spend more time on it. In a perfect world, Ben, of, of course, we'd love to know if they know that already, because it obviously can start to change the plan up a little bit. Uh, we certainly ask about it uh, when we get started and we ask about it, you know, as we go forward, if we haven't quite figured it out and start to think about it. Um, but, you know, maybe we have an answer where, hey, I, I wasn't given anything. And if they get something great, but if they don't, you know, I've done my job here. And other folks, you know, want to almost, you know, reduce their own financial spending in retirement just to, you know, make sure that there's money going out there. Uh I would last week we had somebody that came in uh, who's retiring and they, you know, have a, a goal of um, $8,000 a month that they want to spend. Um, they said, you know, we have these legacy goals that we've thought about from our previous conversations and, you know, we want to actually maintain our nest egg throughout retirement. Well, in their example, fortunately enough, they are actually able to spend uh, about twelve thousand dollars a month. They don't need or want to spend that. Uh, they they live, you know, kind of in that eight thousand dollar a month range. But if they were going to try to maintain that nest egg, it dropped it from twelve thousand down to down to about ten thousand. So, it was, hmm. you know, for having that legacy goal, it, it it reduced what their projected income spend can be from twelve to ten. Now, for other folks, that could you know really affect them in terms of what they want to spend in retirement. In this example, it didn't affect them because now they're they're still you know two thousand dollars under a month uh, of what their you know spend goal is. But that's why it's really important to understand that legacy goal because at the end of the day, could could affect some folks' uh, actual retirement spending ability. All right, last one here on the list. Um, this will cover everything to make sure you're prepared for retirement, but it will put you in a pretty good spot and give you some confidence. Uh, but this last one here is, you know, do you have any current investments or any products you're involved with that you don't fully understand? Now's the time to get that answered. Yeah. By, by the way, uh, Ben, these are all great questions. And I, I would tell you that, um, you know, ironically, I would say that all of these have really been addressed in that uh, web series, uh, video series that I did. And we have on our website. Um, it really addressed the different you know, 12 different risks in retirement that we want to avoid. And, and a lot of these are all answered in those, uh, you know, four to six minute videos that you can watch at your leisure. And there's actually a workbook to follow along. Um, 
And so if you want a little bit more in depth on this stuff, uh, you can definitely check out our website because a lot of these things are actually answered there. But yeah, uh, yeah with with this one, you know, understanding your current investments uh, is something that you really want to spend some time on. And, you know, one of the questions that we generally ask when we're getting started, you know, is, is there anything a that you're wondering about with your current financial uh, landscape, your financial uh, resources? And B, you know, is there anything in here that you don't quite understand or don't really like? Because a lot of times people made financial decisions or bought, purchased things in the past uh, for different reasons. And maybe now that we're going from this accumulation stage to uh, decumulation of spending, maybe the tools that you once had are not as needed um, as they are today. Uh, things that come to mind are, you know, certain types of annuity products and life insurance products or different structured types of products that maybe are more illiquid or higher cost. You know, when we see them, we really want to spend some time on that and to make sure that we understand, you know, wh what's the purpose of these uh, investments? And and we're doing the same thing with, with mutual funds and stocks and, and bonds as well. But certainly... Those are some of the ones that you know come to mind when we're we're seeing some of these insurance-based products that may or may not have uh, the same need as they maybe originally did, or a lot of times maybe they they felt like they were sold this and and they didn't really understand what it actually does. So, you know, definitely spending time to understand you know what tools do you have and what tools do you need for retirement uh, makes sense to spend some uh, quite a bit of time on to make sure you get it right. Yeah, no question. Again, cardinalwg.com, that is the website. And when you're there, you can go through all those resources that Anthony just kind of mentioned that touch on a lot of the things we're discussing today in a little more detail. But again, if you want to follow up and, and sit down and go through your situation, just click that free assessment link in the top right corner and start your Cardinal success journey. All right, a couple of mailbag questions to get to before we close out today's episode. Uh, I want to start here with one from Madison. It says, I've talked to a financial advisor and I like him a lot but I'm trying to do my due diligence before deciding to work with him. How do you really know if somebody is trustworthy or not? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it sounds like, Madison, you're off to a great start. You know, talking and, and liking them on first impressions is certainly a good starting point. Um, asking potentially for some recommendations or referrals of their current clients if it's not, you know, coming from a family or, or friend uh, originally uh, would be a good Thing to maybe ask and you can speak to some of their clients uh, just to get a better sense of what that relationship looks like. And then I'd also maybe do a background check uh, through FINRA broker check to just see if there's any, you know, thing on their record that's worth bringing up. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, making sure that they're specialized in what type of financial advice or planning that you're looking for makes sense. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, to get started with somebody new, some trust does have to be given. And but it does need to be the actions need to be shown over time to continue to gain your trust. But I do think that some trust needs to, you know, have to be given in order to have that relation to to begin ultimately. Very good. Good luck on your search. If you want to, I guess it's a good place to start too, um, Anthony from Madison would be to take that Cardinal success journey, right? That's a great kind of introductory meeting. Yeah. I mean, that's why we, we offer that. I mean, some, some folks, some advisors, you know, do offer something like that and mm -hmm. uh, others, you know, aren't, aren't going to you know spend the time there, but that's why we have that Cardinal success journey that, 
three-step process where we get to spend, you know, four or five meetings together to get a real feel for one another and, you know, making sure personalities are a good match, but also from the standpoint of, hey, can we actually help advise you? Are we the right person for you? We want to make sure it's a good match because uh, these are long-term relationships at the end of the day. All right. One more question from Ethan. He says, I've been frustrated and stressed out with my job for a very long time now. I would have left years ago, except for the fact that I receive a sizable retention bonus every spring, along with stock options. Every time it seems like I can't take the job anymore, I'm always just a couple of months away from the bonus. So I decided to stick it out for a couple of months and I'm just stuck in this vicious cycle. I see what they call, I see why they call it golden handcuffs. Uh, At what point can I just walk away from the next bonus without feeling stupid? Yeah, it sounds like Ethan, you're on this hamster wheel and, uh, and I, I, I feel your pain. And we, we definitely have a, a lot of clients that have uh, a similar type of setup where they're getting that bonus sometime in like March after the year. And it's sizable and it's hard to walk away and you're stressed out about it. So first off, I, you know, understanding where you're at and, you know, are you retiring soon uh, or are you just looking to, you know, get over to a different job? So, you know, if we're, if we're retiring pretty soon, we really want to do a financial independence study to make sure that, you know, work at this point is pretty much optional and that you don't necessarily need to be there. And, you know, if, if you're not really, you know, retiring anytime soon, then it's more of a stressful thing. Then I, you know, I'd start to be looking at, you know, other companies outside of there or within your current company to see if there's somewhere else to transfer to that's less stressful. Um, and if you're going to an outside company, you know, try to plan that transition close to the bonus time. And if if it happens to be with a outside company that, you know, you can't wait that long, maybe they'll give you a signing bonus to bring you over as well. So you don't feel like you're missing on that big bonus. But, you know, if you're close to retirement after the financial independence study, you know, figure to call it quits, you know, when that bonus comes so that you don't have to feel like you're missing out on something and knowing with conviction that you can you can walk away from it. Uh, alternatively, you could also, you know, talk to your employer to see maybe if you can start to ratchet down your workload and, you know, start to maybe train the person who might be taking over your role and, and maybe get it down to three, four day work week schedule. A lot of people are open to that, so they're not losing uh, an employee right away and being able to train somebody. And, you know, you can do that maybe over a one to two, three year period of time, uh, still get some bonus. Your bonus might drop a little bit, but it, you know, you kind of sail off into the future uh, with, you know, taking away some of that stress that you might be feeling and um, still while capturing some bonus until you're ready to call it quits. Yeah. Good luck with that, Ethan. I know. Tough situation to be in, uh, for sure, but we appreciate you reaching out. All right, if you have questions for Anthony and the Cardinal Wealth Group, you can always log on, cardinalwg.com, or call 609-362-5512. That'll do it for us here on this episode of All Things Retirement. Anthony, thanks for your time. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Ben. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.